the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this. Please visit ProAmericareport.com, ProAmericareport.com. Sign up for the daily email. It comes in your email box at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time. Also, you can go over there and, and listen to any of these uh, interviews and segments. I post them all over there. Post them all over there, ProAmericareport.com. I hope you'll go check that out. And today, we've got some great uh, interviews coming down. we got Mickey Kaus, my old friend Mickey Kaus. He is technically a Democrat, but he's really, and I, I think he's probably liberal on all the social issues, but on immigration and on unions and the, the impact they have on the country, he's very good, especially immigration. And so we'll talk to him about what he's seeing. He also had some insight on Liz Cheney. I'll talk about that in a moment. And uh, we will also get a chance to catch up with John Schlafly, old John Schlafly, who is, of course, half of the Schlafly Report, which publishes over, publishes over at townhall.com. And uh, we'll see. All right. So, um, you know, two things today, two things I want you to think about. And uh, both of them fall, in a way, into the category of the media wants you to talk about this while the real things that are happening in our country are over there. And the first one is the ongoing saga of Liz Cheney, who has decided that she is going to play the role of the sort of never-Trumper, anti-Trumper person. And we're going to talk to Mickey Kaus. He's the first one I saw who put out something on Twitter saying, Liz Cheney can't be this um, this uh, ham-handed, this dumb in terms of politics. She's doing something. And he said she's going to run for president in 2024, that she's positioning herself as the sort of definitive leader of the you know never-Trumpers, anti-Trumpers, and all that. I don't know. I mean, we'll talk about it with him but it seems to me she feels like she's ending her career and 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 i will say this certain people and and on one level you say good for her i guess if you want to hold your position you hold her position but there's another part of me that says when you're in a certain class of politicians and politicos and the chain and liz cheney would be in it you've kind of you know the old joke about george w bush you kind of landed on third base you were born on third base and thought you hit a triple you know that line they say about uh, george i think it was george w bush she's kind of somebody who thinks and always has thought um everybody should just kind of listen to her and she's in charge and and her father you know was and her mother both by the way lynn cheney very capable writer and and uh conservative leader in lots of ways um really impressive uh career herself but you know dick cheney Chief of staff to the governor, Ford. Um, he was then the minority leader in the House, worked his way up. He in, From uh, Wyoming, he was a congressman. Um, he was a secretary of defense, and then he was uh, vice president. I mean, this guy's had a massive career. But I think that I think Liz Cheney's growing up in a world where people don't tell her that's not a good idea, and so she's just doing what she wants. Here's the thing. Does it really matter? The only thing it's proving is that the Republican Party is 97% Trump. The 3%, a lot of them in power are in Washington in the swamps and they're cursing at the fates that they're not uh, in charge. You know, Paul Ryan's of the world and all. But I, 
I don't know what else to think. I mean, Liz Cheney's career is over faster. It's ending faster than anybody could imagine. I don't think she intended it. So it's, um, it's, uh, I, I don't really, you know, I, I think maybe she's doing it on principle, but I think it's a misjudgment, a miscalculation. If that's the world you want to live in, I think it's a big misjudgment. And, uh, and, you know, she's going to be replaced by a, another woman who I don't, Elise Stefanik, who I don't have much confidence is much better on the issues. Uh, but she certainly at least supported President Trump. And she didn't waver on that. And she didn't go out of her way to, to antagonize Trump supporters. So that's a positive thing. But again, back to my point. This is a non-story that's covered breathlessly by the media. I mean, breathlessly, as if it's the biggest thing ever. I mean, and the second thing that's covered as if it's the biggest thing ever, as if it's the end of the world, is that the Facebook Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of Facebook, the oversight board, has said today, um, earlier on Wednesday, said that Trump suspension was okay and that Facebook should review that suspension in the next six months, within six months. So basically, he's still off of Facebook. But again, they're covering it like it's the biggest story. I don't know many Trump supporters that are waiting around to see if Donald Trump is going to be on Facebook. I mean, the only thing that's good is that people, as they, as, as this ruling came out, some people said, break up Facebook, you know, uh, regulate big tech. I'm all for that. But I, I don't think they'll follow through. I don't think any of the legislators that follow through either party, they have no, they have no, uh, they have no real commitment on this issue, but it's a non-issue. It's, it's an issue that in the sense that the, the, the president, actually, President Trump has actually just done this blog. I don't know if you've noticed this. Go to DonaldJTrump.com, and he's posting basically tweets on a blog site, and then it's got links on the side that you can click on and post those tweets to Facebook and Twitter. So they automatically go into, I don't know, a couple sites, maybe YouTube. I don't know which sites. Three or four sites. And uh, it works well. I, I did it to Twitter myself to check it out. So Trump's getting the word out, and in some ways that I think people aren't quite realizing, the longer he's out of favor out of power and not able to go completely full on immersion he's getting more popular he's getting um he's getting more um he, he's getting more comfortable uh, people are getting more comfortable and forgetting some of the edge that's what i'd say so uh, again the stories that are being pushed on the american people uh liz cheney and then uh and then um uh facebook it's just they're non stories and the stories that we should be talking about Here's one you haven't heard a thing about. Yesterday, I guess it was, let me get it right, Monday or Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, General Milley acquiesced. He's the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's the guy in charge of the military. He's kind of the chief of staff of all the military. General Milley agreed, caved, gave in to the demands of the Democrats that any sexual assault that happens in the military, it gets taken out of the chain of command and gets handled by a special prosecutor or a special board. Now, anytime there's any sexual assault, you have to be conditioned to say this. We should, you know, we should get to the bottom of it. Nobody should want to do that, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, nobody should want, everyone should want accountability. The question is whether you have a military that has a chain of command. I asked a, uh, I asked a general, a friend of mine about this, and he said, once you don't have a chain of command, you don't have a chain of command. You don't get to have a, you don't get to reinstate it. And if you start with sexual assault, the next thing, because what, what's supposed to happen in a war is the commander's in charge. Ultimately, that's the chain of command. And you're training people in our military to be in war. You're not training them to be in a social services agency. So have you seen any coverage of that? Have you seen any coverage of the fact that for the first time in our history, our chain of command will put civilians into the mix 
to address questions of who committed what crime, who committed what impropriety, and how you cannot tell me that this is not the beginning of the next argument. You can't say, well, the chain of command, I mean, the, the general can't, he can't be the one that adjudicates uh, questions of, uh, of, uh, of race, uh, racism, uh, gender dysphoria, all these things. And so pretty soon we don't have a chain of command. We have yet another bureaucracy. And that's a, a major detriment. That's a major impact on our readiness, on our ability to fight a war if we had to. And, you know, the, probably the thing that's going to save us in some ways is our advantage in the military. Our military superiority now is is generally perceived as technological and manpower or human power we have both still but pretty quickly you're going to have a, a the manpower thing is going to get you know get impacted by all these decisions you cannot do the political correctness and all this stuff to the you just don't get you don't get a killing force a force that's aimed at that so that's a big story that's a much bigger story that that, that, that america's uh, military has has shifted its position on how it operates taking out of the command again. I mentioned to a general friend of mine. He said, "Once you don't have a command, once you, once it's not in the uh, in the chain of command, then there's no such thing as command because you're not ultimately in charge." So again, everybody, all the precursors, all the you know, all the uh, qualifications, you should get to the bottom of anything that's bad, and you should get away with it. But this is a big deal. And meanwhile, we're supposed to run around in circles and wonder about Liz Cheney, a a congresswoman from Wyoming, one in the minority with no real power. And we're supposed to spend all our time worrying about that. It's a joke. It's a joke. They're distracting us from the real things that are happening. And the real things are fundamentally changing America, fundamentally changing America in front of our eyes. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back and talk with John Schlafly. And then we'll also visit with, pardon me, with Mickey Kaus. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Our next guest is our old friend, John Schlafly. John is the uh, ha- one half of the tag team, the duo, John and Andy Schlafly. They do the Schlafly Report, which posts over at townhall.com, our sister site, and also is archived at phyllisschlafly.com. You go there and you'll see all these articles, these the columns, weekly column going back years now. It's been years, actually. Impressive. Almost five, I bet, John, four and a half. Uh, late Phyllis Schlafly, their mother, did it for about 40 years. So you got a ways to go, John, to catch up. But this week's column is called The Big Lie is the New Litmus Test. The Big Lie is the New Litmus Test. Welcome back to the program, John. How are you? Uh, great, Ed. How are you today? I'm doing fine. So Liz Cheney, even as we're uh, we're talking now, Liz Cheney appears to be sort of acquiescing. She's not even going to fight for her job in leadership, although I think she's still staying in Congress. But she pushed back on President Trump calling the big lie the uh, election of 2020. But how is it a litmus test? I think it, when I read your column, I, I think you mean supporting Trump as the litmus test, right? And, and I guess Trump has made that the, the question. Is that is that where you're going with this? Well, uh, we're picking up on uh, what uh, President Trump sent out. I mean, he called it, uh, you know, he announced that, you know, the big lie about the presidential election of 2020 and what he meant by that. First of all, Ed, as you you well know, Ed, um, Trump was so successful in using language against his opponent. And he's, you know, redefined the term America first. And then he redefined right. the term fake news. 
You know, fake news mm-hmm. started as as something by Facebook, I think, or the social media, and yeah. now everyone understands uh, that no, Trump, it's what Trump meant by fake news, and likewise with the big lie. Now he's getting off a little bit late because for four months, uh, Ed. Um, yeah, I agree. Has he's been, been slow to it. Yeah, that what Trump yeah. said about the election was fake news, but no, Trump is now that he's back on social media, even if it's even if it's only his own. Uh, basically, the big lie, as I interpret it, as I, what Trump's saying, <clears throat> is the idea that uh, the 2020 election was fair and square, because we know it wasn't. Hmm. The people who voted for Trump know that, uh, you know, that Joe Biden did not win uh, fairly. And uh, so the Trump is saying that, I think correctly, that if Republicans want to get his support and want to, uh, they need to essentially uh, agree with Trump's view about the 2020 election, that what happened in 2020, first of all, it cannot be allowed to happen again. Uh, and secondly, that, uh, you know, we've got to get to the bottom of what really did happen. And uh, uh, so... And, of course, uh, that ties right. I would say that Liz Cheney walked right into that trap. Uh, Mm -hmm. Trump issued his statement on Monday, and uh, Liz Cheney obstinately, you know, know, publicly, uh, you know, rebuked President Trump. And then she went on Tuesday to a private gathering uh, in which she said the same thing to uh, a group of establishment donors, and of course, what she said leaked, as things always leak, even though that was private. And basically, mm-hmm. that was the last straw for her. You know, even the uh, garden variety rank and file uh, members of Congress just have had enough with her. And even Kevin McCarthy basically let people think that he's had enough, he can't take it anymore. We're talking with John Schlafly and Liz Cheney is on her way out. Well, it certainly seems that way. But now, John, listen, I want to trust your attention to somewhat to something that you missed on your in your great column. Uh, Again, we're talking with John Schlafly and his column is uh, entitled The Big Lie is the New Litmus Test. There's other examples of folks that weren't Trump supporters that paid a price. But, John, buried in this um, a very interesting column towards the bottom, Liz Cheney is still not getting the message. You write. As she continued to castigate President Trump at a closed door gathering of establishment donors in the elite resort town of Sea Island, Georgia. Now, that's John and Andy Schlafly. Well, John, I don't know, 60 years ago in 1964, your mother famously wrote about visiting Sea Island, Georgia, where she was on vacation with your father. And they figured out that there was a, a meeting of people, all kinds of people. It was, I, in fact, it was 1958 or 59 when she was there, I think. And and this she coined the term the Bilderbergers because of the place they originally met in uh, in Europe, and she spawned this whole thing. All these globalists. My question for you, John, is how could you miss that link in your column? And second, more importantly, isn't it really when you see Cheney and the media and Joe Biden fist bumping her last week and everybody? It's really 
Trump and the America First movement against the globalists, it doesn't matter what party. It's it's a, take the EU, take the Democrats, take the Republicans. That's really the fight is the, 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 the Trump vision on issues, but also on how the world works and the nation versus the world, the globalists. That's really the battle here, isn't it? Well, you're exactly right, Ed. And of course, I knew uh, what happened in Sea Island Torture. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> and now, of course, just to, well, you know, Phyllis did not coin the term Bilderbergers. That was the name the group gave to themselves. But she was the first person to write about it. And her right. you know, little chapter about that in A Choice Not an Echo, in which she told that story, was was really one of the items you know no one had ever heard of the bilderbergers until phyllis wrote about it and uh but what right. it showed and when it showed how uh uh the leaders of both parties republicans and democrats uh, and the media and the media right the media the was media there at went, that meeting and nobody wrote about it and there they were on right. a you know, an off-the-record conclave when they were talking about world affairs, and it was just the kind of thing which, at uh, that time, showing to supporters of Barry Goldwater why we've had enough with the bipartisan Me Too establishment, and we need uh, a presidential candidate who reflects what the grassroots of the party really wants. And, you know, in fact, Ed, Ed I was reminded about that when, a couple nights ago, when uh, Tucker Carlson uh, released a real gem of inside information when he he he, he, yeah. he revealed to his audience that Kevin McCarthy has been rooming with or renting a room <laughs> with, with, with Frank Luntz, right? From Frank Luntz of all people, who Frank Luntz, of course, oh, wow. you know. Got his start, you know, with Newt Gingrich. That's true, but then he went on to get go into the big time with Google, Facebook, uh, you know, Amazon, and all of those right. companies. Pretty most of his income, and he's right. been telling Kevin McCarthy that the Republicans really want to support uh, amnesty in some form for the Dreamers and other people, and that's yeah. not really true, of course. No, but no, uh, you're right. We're talking. Uh, yes, I'm yes. Afraid, but, uh, uh, well, but <laughs> well, we're talking with John Schlafly. The big lie is the new litmus test. The Schlafly report over at townhall.com and also at phyllisschlafly.com. Or oh, back to that, John. Uh, President Trump earlier uh, on uh, uh, on Wednesday he did say he preferred Elise Stefanik to Liz Cheney. Looks like that's a, a fait accompli, um, but doesn't really solve the problem, right? I mean, in a way, um, and I don't think there was a problem. I, I tell people uh, 97% of the Republican Party is uh, is a Trump party. There's 3% sort of hanging on by their, uh, by their fingernails. But it, it has allowed the media to write about and talk about something else other than, say, the failed border, which is just insane what's happening, uh, the, the movement by China, the communist regime in terms of Taiwan, inflation. I know you don't have to buy milk for your kids. I, I have to buy it for mine. Milk prices are, are climbing faster than, uh, than, um, and then gas prices and gas prices are shooting up. So we're, we're facing, in, in theory, we're facing inflation. All these things are going on. 
and we're fighting over Liz Cheney versus Elise Stefanik feels like another shiny object uh, that they're, they're, they're we're running in circle. You know, president gets kept off of Facebook, so we have social media giants, and then everybody says, oh, we should stop them and break them up. Well, the Democrats say they'll break up Facebook, but they're in power, just like the Republicans said they would build the wall and defund Planned Parenthood. They're in power. I mean, none of these people in the swamp do what they say. No, that's true, and we really have only one Republican, that's Senator Josh Hawley, who's forth, forthrightly for breaking up those companies. And uh, incidentally, Josh Hawley was the only Republican senator who had the courage to vote against, uh, you know, Maisie Her- nutty Maisie Hirano's uh, resolution about, uh, supposedly about, uh, you know, uh, Hate crimes against Asians, but uh, oh yeah, right, right, you know, right. And I, I don't know what's kind of wrong a... with you know. There, I thought I thought we had at least you know at least two or three courageous Republicans, but Holly was out there by himself. And uh, yeah. anyway, and he's uh, yeah. leading. He's about to come out with his book, uh, you know, which was had to be moved to another publisher in order to see the light of day. But his book on the the tech. Uh, monopolies are, is is calling for breaking up those companies, and that's is the ultimate uh, goal. I think that's a necessary goal. Um, it's not going to be easy to get that done. Um, you know, even if the Republicans yeah. take over the Congress, that's still a long shot. But it's good that we're talking about it. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. What, th- what Facebook did today that they really are not, you know, they really think they're in a power position and they don't have to fear any pushback because, uh, the you know, the idea they reaffirmed today, their deplatforming of Donald Trump, which is a complete outrage, shocking, really. And there's got to be a a, a robust remedy to that. We're talking with John Schlafly. I think, John, you might have had a Me Too moment there. I think you uh, insulted a woman U.S. senator who's Asian. So I, we have to send this tape off to the uh, appropriate authorities. Maisie Heron, I think, is a woman, and I'm pretty sure she's Asian. And I think you committed some kind of, uh, not even a thought crime, but a, a, a spoken word crime. So I am I'm, I'm regret that that happened on the program, but I'm grateful for this one last appearance uh, with you, John. The, the big lie is the new litmus test is the from John and Andy Schlafly. Uh, maybe, John, if you want to apologize to Senator Hirona, maybe you could do that now and that would get you off the hook. Is that something you want to talk about? Well, I would invite your listeners <laughs> to go check out uh, some of the things that Maisie Hirona has said, especially about oh. uh, President Trump's Doubling uh, down. Supreme Court nominees. And judge Doubling yourself. down. Judge Doubling yourself. down. John Schlafly, who knew? Who knew? All right, cancel, everybody. Hashtag canceling John Schlafly. It'll be trending any moment. Thanks, John, as always. Great column. We'll talk again uh, next week. We'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. And his ears were probably burning the last day or so. I've been talking about Mickey Kouse, at Kouse Mickey on Twitter, K-A-U-S. Uh, Mickey Kouse is a writer, an author, and a very prolific uh, tweeter and a blogger. And he had this great insight, which I proceeded to steal, although I did credit you periodically, uh, not all the time, but some of the time. And that is that Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney is not that, not this dumb to end her career. She's just not, these are people that know politics. And Mickey Kouse, I'll, I'll overstate your point, but that she's obviously decided to go down with her principles. But again, in politics, everybody's principles are a movable feast. And so what is she doing? And Mickey Kaus made the point. I think it's, it's, it's right in the broad sense. He said, well, she's running for president in 2024. I think she's certainly positioning herself to be a national political leader. And that's the only thing that makes sense. So welcome, Mickey Kaus, back. And uh, what, if, what kind of you wrote that on Twitter? And that's where I saw it. Have you gotten much feedback, pushback? What's the reaction been? Um, I have not gotten that much pushback. People actually seemed interested in the possibility. The, the general thrust of, of comments was she would she would get a minimal amount of support in the Republican Party, so it was a bad idea. But I'm you know I'm not so sure about that. And uh, you know I had thought well maybe she just wants to show that you can defy Trump and survive, but she's doing a pretty bad job of that. She's about to be right. to lose her leadership post, so. The only thing that makes sense is, is, as you say, a national platform. And the only way to keep the national platform alive, it seems to me, is to run. And she could be much, right. you know, it's going to be an open, who else is going to have that niche, right? Right, right, exactly. And and and, and here's, the, here's, here's the same thing. I got to think that, like, Jeb Bush was sitting there doing the math and saying, okay, there'll be some, uh, you know, rabid social conservatives, but my lane will be, it's a really a twofer lane. It's one, it's the sort of establishment Republican, but the other one is harvesting money by the bushel. I mean, you got to figure that a Cheney on the national ticket, if I can say it and not be too crass, everybody knows what they're buying. And therefore, she could raise the $100 million to be in the mix like Jeb was. She might still fl- flame out. I think it, at the, today, I think she would. But most half of the other people that think they're going to run for president, uh, Christy Nome, even Pompeo, the, if, if you can't raise $25 million quick, you just can't compete in the Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada boondoggle that we run here. You know, it's a, it's a transfer of wealth. So I think that's what she's doing. I, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't work for her, right? And the great... And the great threat seems to me is if she doesn't lose, she says, uh, I can't support Trump. Yeah. And that's pretty clear. Right. Uh, and goes third right. party. And then she's a spoiler. <clears throat> then she takes down exactly. the Republicans. And and I and again to your point, I think that makes a, a, a it's 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 plausible, right? So anyway, all right, let's move aside of that. I think and now as you say, she lost her position in the in the uh, in the um, in the Congress. I think she has. I've heard from people the Wyoming thing. If it's a seventeen way primary, she probably survives. But I think it it's going to clarify pretty quick, and, and then she may find herself out of the job. But but uh, Mickey, I want to go back. I just said in my uh, in another interview, I said um, we're talking with Mickey Kaus, by the way, at Kaus Mickey uh, on Twitter and and follow through to his uh he blogs not enough and and um but anyway uh, on, i think you're on substack too so but mickey um the border while we're worried about liz cheney versus elise stefanik or whatever else while we're running in circles trying to see if we can call each other racist the border is 
absolute chaos. Uh, Biden's breaking all the records on on letting people in. We have all the problems that we've ever, ever had. And that, yet there's no coverage. So if there's no coverage of the border, does the problem exist? Is there any real movement to change it? I doesn't feel like it. it. It exists if the Republicans bring it up. I mean, and it's worse than the, even the, even the press when it was covering didn't cover the main part of it, which is uh, single men, working age, coming in by the truckload uh, and sneaking in. They're not they're not claiming asylum. The, all the border agents are distracted by all the asylum claims of the women and children and the unaccompanied children. But these are regular single men, illegal immigrants who are coming, 18-wheelers are pulling up by the Big Bend area, they're letting them out, and the border agents estimate that 70 to 90 percent are getting in. And so those are, there's like maybe a million of them, okay, a million. Uh, And and are they going to get the jobs that opened up uh, after COVID? I think so. Mm hmm. Well, and so but and you say unless the Republicans bring it up, I mean, there are a handful bringing it up, uh, aren't there? Or are they distracted by Elise Stefanik? And, and here's what I picked up, Mickey. You, you'll be happy to hear this. I know that'll make you very happy. I, and when I tell you this, I was up on Capitol Hill yesterday and I had lunch with somebody. They're picking out the drapes. The Republicans are picking out the drapes for the majority. They've already figured they're going to win, and they're just kind of already they're in that mode. And I said, "Yeah, I will wait. I'll believe it when I see it." But but so uh, are who's the Republicans bringing it up, and and why aren't they? Well, they aren't because the whole leadership and Karl Rove and the people that spend the money are all uh, they're softies on immigration. They're committed to an amnesty. McCarthy is very susceptible. He comes from a, a agricultural area where his landowners want cheap labor. Stefanik, it turns out, who's the woman who's going to replace Cheney, has a terrible record on immigration. She's promoted amnesty even when Cheney resisted. So that's at least two of the three in the House leadership who were weak on immigration. And they know it's a, they'll, they'll use the issue against Biden to the extent that it's necessary, but they will preserve their ability to sell out on it uh, once they get into power. That's the problem with today's Republicans. All right. So, um, and, and, right. and, and, and actually, no, no, here's what, here's one thing I want to ask you uh, to clarify for our listeners, because a lot of people comment and you'll know better. The refugee cap. So initially, uh, what Joe Biden's administration said was we're going to stay with the level of the refugee. But, but it, it, then they went up because they got pressured by the progressives. So they went up from, I don't know, 20,000 to 65,000. But right. that doesn't sound like a big number it, it, no, in the world of like, it, 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 yeah. So why explain what it means? It's mainly a symbolic issue. It's the numbers aren't big. It doesn't really matter if we get take fifteen thousand or sixty five thousand when we have a million people sneaking in on the border. That's where the the big problem is. Uh, it right. means that Biden at some point realized he was getting killed on the border and said, "Oh my God, this is bad PR to announce this increase in the refugee cap." And he put his foot down and said, "No, I'm not doing it." And then the refugee industrial complex, all the Catholic charities that make money off these refugees, <laughs> lobbied right. and made him change it. But it, it, it's it's not important, as you say, in and of itself. It's only important, A, that it indicates Biden, somewhere in Biden, there's a guy who has a has a, the old political bones and realizes he's getting killed. And the second thing is, if we give our sovereignty to the United Nations, in other words, the problem with refugees is we let the UN decide who gets in. No, we should, right. we should get decide decide who gets in, even if it's fifteen or fifteen thousand or sixty. That that's important, but the numbers are are small. 
And, and, and so it's more of a directional thing. If you know what you're looking at, you say, okay, well, that means that they're going lighter. I guess one way to say it is if you're, if you're giving refugee status, you're not even making them wait to prove it, right? I mean, in what, if some people show up and they say, I want asylum, and then they, the catch and release thing was, oh, come back and prove it to us some other time. In the case of refugees, they sort of, they just give it, it's like a get into, get into America free card. Well, they're, they're different groups of people. The asylees who show up at the border, you're right, they get in. And while they're proving it, they get to stay in and they never leave. So, But these refugees right. are sitting overseas in camps, and they have been vetted. I They've see. been waiting for a while. And they're sort of a different I group see. of people. Now, we don't quite right. trust okay. the people who are vetting them, but they're not just instantly showing up at the border. All right. Um, we're talking with Mickey Cass at Cass. Mickey, another topic that I've, I find uh, who's not Mickey Cass is not really a conservative. He's a he's a Democrat and ran for office as a Democrat and other things. So he, on a lot of issues. But on a, one of them, another one of them where we find some common ground and interest is labor unions. Mickey, uh, at this point, is there any chance that the teachers union is actually vulnerable it feels like even though everyone talks about how mad parents are that the kids aren't in school and and and, you know the teachers union is telling fauci what to do it feels all this stuff i i don't know if it's a real shift i mean is is it real i mean i know there's some school boards rolling out school board members but that doesn't uh that doesn't really change too much uh but you know is this an issue that's actually coming to a head or are we in the same thing where it's kind of lucy uh pulling the football back I think it's uh, the, the latter because you know we we've had hostility to the teachers unions before. I remember at the 2008 right. convention, I went to a, a, a room full of Democrats who were screaming at the teachers unions. This was at the right. Democratic convention, uh, so, and they were all for charter schools, and that's mm-hmm. what really drives the unions crazy. This is an issue where they, right. the unions can easily cave and they go back to class, and 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 then mm-hmm. the unions retain their power. And in the Biden budget. There's huge expansions of teacher union power. You know, they're they're adding right. they're adding four years of schooling, uh, and they're mm-hmm. you know, and the, uh, so I don't think the unions are exactly on the run. Well, and I and you know one of the one of the members of Congress said that much of the money in that in the recent sort of COVID uh, bailout, whatever you call it, was he, the phrase he used was pre-appropriated. It was appropriated to get paid out in 2022 as the teachers unions everybody ramps up for the elections. I mean that's that's my point up on Capitol Hill. The Republicans, if you think that they're not putting in place the pieces to to uh, fortify the election, just like they did back with uh, uh, Joe Biden, uh, you're crazy. Uh, Mickey Kaus at Kaus Mickey. Uh, one last thing. Biden in general, at this point, you've seen a lot of Democrats as president. Biden in general, is is your sense, and I'm over, I'm, I'm putting it in your mouth already, but feels like Susan Rice is enjoying being president to me. It, it, you know, are, are you surprised it's where it is or is anything surprising you? What's your response to Biden 100 days in? Is it Susan Rice or Ron Klain uh, who's really running things? Right. Biden has been much worse on the border than I thought, much worse. I thought he would go much more slowly. He would realize the political peril, and the, the left really seems to be bossing him around there. Um, right. else, and he's let a bunch of junk slide into his budget, like our, like recreating welfare, which I didn't think he would do, which is, you know, you right. get checks to, to single mothers who don't work. Um, so uh, that's been bad. Other than that, I don't think he's, you know, he's not FDR. He's not this great visionary who's going to accomplish great things. He's an, an incremental Democrat who's spending a lot of money on incremental things, 
And that's sort of what you expected. He he said he was going to go big in the money department, and he's doing that. And uh, I'm not all that upset with him, aside from the, the blatant irresponsibility on the border. Hmm. All uh, right. Well, I, I mean, the other thing is what you expect, you know, critical, right? you know, so. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I guess so. But it feels like uh, it feels like Joe Biden. I mean, if he, I guess maybe he always went along with whatever was expedient at the moment. But, you know, when you see the SBA, I think it was a link I saw in your in your feed again. I, I clicked on through to it. The You know, the Small Business Administration is is basically blatantly saying if you're black, Asian, Hispanic, you get to be disadvantaged. Doesn't matter how what other category. If you're white, you got to prove somehow you're disadvantaged. I mean, it feels like the hyphenated American thing has gone farther than I expected Biden would would want it to uh, or you know it, it, temperamentally but i guess maybe it's just he's he's going to be for whatever's the moment in terms of his party well he's he, he he doesn't want any fights with the left and he just goes he you're right he's very he's very malleable and he, and he goes along and that that in effect means they get to boss him around but um but uh so you're right about that it's just i don't think all that is as important as the immigration thing and Some, it's sort of what right. you'd expect would if bill clinton came back today uh, in the current yeah. environment, would he do anything different? I don't think so. Gotcha. All right, Mickey Kaus at Kaus Mickey uh, on Twitter. Thanks very much, Mickey. Appreciate it. And follow him on Twitter. And uh, and when he writes on Substack and others, you should write more, Mickey. But uh, thanks very much. And thanks. we got to take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Here are some basic rules that our government should adopt when considering various proposals to give amnesty to illegal aliens. We want a law to require employers to use E-Verify for new and current employees in order to verify that they are legally in the United States. You and I have to provide our Social Security number when we apply for a job, and immigrants should do likewise. This simple procedure would identify the illegals and thereby make many jobs available to unemployed Americans. We should eliminate all schemes for the admittance of guest workers, both the uneducated who take entry-level jobs away from our own high school dropouts and the H-1B and other special purpose visas, that's a system rife with fraud, who take jobs away from our own college graduates because the big companies prefer to hire lower-paid foreigners. We should enforce cooperation between federal and state immigration authorities so when a state picks up an illegal, he can be immediately turned over to the feds. This cooperation should also eliminate the so-called sanctuary cities where federal immigration law is ignored. We should reinstate the rule that was in effect for hundreds of thousands of immigrants who came through Ellis Island if they had a major disease or failed to provide proof that they would not become a public charge, they were sent back to their home country. And one more thing. Amnesty advocates should stop peddling the false notion that amnesty is the Christian thing to do. 
Amnesty will betray Hispanics because it will open our borders to a flood of new illegals, increase the millions below the poverty line, and make it impossible for legal or assimilated immigrants to ever achieve the American dream. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. American citizenship should never be taken lightly. That's why you need to go to phyllisschlafly.com and be part of the dialogue on the need for border security and an accurate census, the travesty of sanctuary cities, and voting rights for illegals. Voice your opinion at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Got to be quick. Got to be quick. We're running out of time today. So let me just preview for you. Uh, we are going to visit uh, on, I told you yesterday, uh, Todd Benzman will be with us later this week. We'll catch up with him. Uh, his book is out um, and he's right down on the border. So we'll catch up with him. We'll get a, a full-on border update. Uh, I did. I think I misspoke earlier. I might have misspoke earlier. John Schlafly's column is uh, archived over at um, phyllisschlafly.com. phyllisschlafly.com. You can go over there and all of his columns, he and Andy Schlafly write a column, and you can um, track back to all those there. We post them over there pretty quick. Um, let me see here. One, um, uh, we, I was reading, <clears throat> excuse me, very good point by um, R- Ramesh Panuro. Panuro, I never pronounce his name right. I'm not good at that. The, uh, the he pointed out on Twitter um, a, a political article, Politico article that I did see. And I did not notice this. It's the very end of the article. And it's about the, the Democrats wanting to do their voting rights, to take over all the federal ele- elections, federalize them, and do things like early voting and, and no checks on signatures. At the very end of it, this is important, you see a, a, a Democrat senator unnamed and basically says, yeah, all this talk we have about how there's widespread suppression of votes we don't really actually believe it. It's not actually a threat. We're just saying that. It's pretty damning. It's pretty damning that uh, Ramesh found that. But it's really true. There's no evidence that it said that, that that's the factor. I mean, it, it's just a total jive. It's a total. It's a total effort to kind of fake everybody out. And uh, and it's um it's one that they're doing. Uh, and and so you, it was kind of clever to see that. I'm glad he caught it. All right. I also want to identify. I mentioned under, when I interviewed Mickey Kaus a few moments ago. There is, and I'll put it up on social media. There is a um. There is a link to the article that shows how the Biden administration has basically gone full racist, full racist, uh, the only automatically qualifying, automatically qualifying for um, for uh, prefer- preferential treatment under the uh, student uh, small small business loan, a uh, small business association loans and sort of bailouts automatic uh, automatically qualify no matter need black, Hispanic, Asian or others. White people, white businesses, you got to prove it. Racist. I mean, it's just racist, blatantly racist stuff. All right, I got to run. I got to run. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director. Thank you to Joanna for booking our guests. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.